0: Everybody, you are listening to Limited Playtime, the board game podcast, where we bring you board game reviews in 30 minutes or less. Or the next episode is free. I am Kyle Bolin. And I'm Jason Cavallari. And today, it is our 80th episode. Woo! 80, wow. We're octogenarians in the (laughs) board game space, sort Uh of. Yeah, Uh, so on the 10th episode, every 10th episode, we do some sort of special format. We break our regular format and we do something else. Uh, Normally, we would do a top 10 if we didn't have something more impressive or creative to do. Uh, And we started to put together a top 10 list of the top 10 board game expansions. But we kind of realized at some point that that's a little bit... It's a little bit of an odd thing to do, because um, it felt a little strange to be weighing, like, you know, like a, an expansion that adds a bunch of campaign material against an expansion that adds, like, you know, uh, different types of modes. So instead of a top ten list, we have ten top one lists. <laughs> <laughs> right, so it's, uh, it's the LPT Expansion Awards. Yes, the LPT Expansion Awards. We're going to name ten categories of uh, basically, like, you know, uh, functions that a an expansion has. Like, you know, what it does. What it's adding to a game, essentially. And we're going to nominate or, you know, give an award to one game per category. Uh, so that's what we're doing today. Uh, there's only ten of these. This isn't one of those things where Jason and I each come up with a list. Uh, so it'll probably still be under 30 minutes, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah, probably Something so. Something to shoot for. You. Absolutely. Okay, so here we go. Uh, our first award,
1: Jason. You wanna You want to explain it? Uh, sure. Name it. So, uh, name it, like, the Nobel Peace Prize. Yes. (laughs) The Nobel Prize for... Well, this is definitely on par with that, you know. Yeah, right, yeah, no. Um, free trip to Sweden. Uh, so, (laughs) for our first category, uh, we thought of expansions that fix a broken game, meaning that the expansion either modifies some rules for the uh, for the original game or it adds in something from the original uh, that the original game was lacking that makes it a better game and so we well this one was more like i but um but i completely agree that it needed fixing i haven't played the fixed version but yeah uh so we chose the uh expansion for star wars rebellion called rise of the empire Um, primarily for the way that Rise of the Empire fixes the combat system um, from Star Wars Rebellion. Uh, Essentially what it does is that uh, it's described as making combat cinematic, uh, meaning that it takes out some of the clunkiness um, and some of the, you know, sort of multiple steps involved in declaring and preparing uh, an attack in the original game uh, and streamlining it so that it has uh, fewer... Uh, fewer steps involved, uh, fewer tac- uh, tactical decisions to be made, uh, but makes the combat flow really a lot better. And I think this was a good thing. It fixed the game uh, for, I mean, I still enjoyed the game and it's an original incarnation, but combat was definitely not one of the more fun parts of that game. It was pretty dull most of the time. Right. Um, I think at best, like it
0: was just, you know, like short and functional and at worst it drug on for a really long time and felt like a
1: slog. Right, exactly, and so what the Rise of the Empire expansion does is it tries to make it feel like less of a slog, and I think it does that successfully. Good, yeah, so awesome. <laughs> so that so that fixes that game.
0: <laughs> I'll take your word for it.
1: Okay, That's right, you so haven't played the expansion.
0: I haven't. Yeah, I've only played the the base game with you the one yeah. time. So, okay. Uh, our next category is the best expansion that extends the life of a campaign so this would be something like you know uh like there's a bunch of ex- uh, campaign expansions for things like imperial assault descent right uh, uh sword and sorcery uh but we chose the gloomhaven forgotten circles expansion which is relatively new uh because it adds more gloomhaven to gloomhaven
1: <laughs> that is <laughs> right, the reason so, yeah gloomhaven <laughs> is already like a really good game Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just adds more of a good thing. Like once you complete the, the storyline in Bloomhaven, uh, there's really nowhere to go unless you want to try and like reset the whole thing. But since it's a, um, uh, a legacy style game, that can be a little bit difficult. Um, so as long as forgotten circles actually adds in more of what makes Bloomhaven a good game, um, it definitely extends the life of the campaign. Yeah, it also adds a character that you can a character class that you can start using
0: immediately, even in your old campaign if you haven't finished it yet. Yeah. Uh, but when when we were looking at it, it looked very much like a like a like a a character that would fit into like say a three or four person team. Like it looked like very support heavy. So we haven't actually tried it out yet. But you mm-hmm. know, if if you've got a, a you know a group of people that I think is like you know more than two two player group, I think it definitely looks like it'd be an interesting class to play. So there's that too. What is the class? I can't remember <laughs> okay <laughs> anyway moving on uh jason number three
1: okay We're so our, number third, th- our third our category. third category this isn't number three it's our third category <laughs> that's right um so this one uh we had a little bit of a debate about what this category actually means but um <laughs> essentially it's uh we decided it's sort of the flip side of the previous category uh it's the Expansion that extends the life of a non-campaign style game. So this would be um, an expansion that adds on to a game uh, that you may have gotten tired of. um, And it doesn't extend a campaign, like it doesn't continue a story or anything. But it reignites interest in the original game and makes the game uh, continually more interesting to play. So for we had a lot of discussion about this one and we actually had some different opinions about uh, what precise expansion we should put on here, but uh, we were looking at the uh, the Arkham Horror Second Edition franchise, um, and because that had like a ton of expansions to it, it was something like six six or seven, I think. Yeah, l- um, I mean, like, l- yeah, yeah. I mean, there were smaller smaller box expansions and bigger box expansions and all this other stuff, but um, any one of them really, I think, could have done this. Um, and my yeah. personal favorite was the Dun- Dunwich Horror expansion um Kyle I think was advocating for Innsmith was that right
0: Yeah but only because it's the only one that I really owned uh the only yeah. big box one that I owned anyway and so I hadn't yeah. played I hadn't played Dunwich, so I I didn't really know about it or anything like that so right. but I think you know like at at the end of the day what I think I liked about those campaigns or those uh sorry those those expansions especially back when I was, like, really into Arkham Horror in the aughts and, you know, like, maybe, like, around the turn of the, the decade and everything, was that it just added a lot more variety in terms of the characters and the enemies yeah. that you were fighting. Um, you know, like, they would usually the big box ones would add a board for, like, more locations, things like that. Yeah, definitely. Um, so just like the variety in that game was kind of what reignited my interest and kept kept me coming back to the, to Arkham Horror for years and years rather than yeah. just, you know, like a few months like I have done with like many other games. Yeah. Um because it's just it's just a fun thematic world that having a little bit more theme involved uh would keep me coming back almost like, you know, like a new season of, you know, like a comfortable TV show that you watch every year like people that are into Supernatural or whatever, right? right. Um and so I think that that's you know, it was it was a it. Was, they were nice expansions to just basically you know add a bunch of content when all you wanted to do was shake a box full of like new content and then get to see the <laughs> stuff that falls out and the interesting crazy combinations of things that you know would amuse you for another night with your friends. Right, yeah. So yeah, I mean,
1: so, I, I'm generally generally going to enjoy any kind of expansion that um, you know builds on a game that I already enjoy by adding more stuff to it. Yeah. Um. So, like, you know, more characters, different monsters, uh, new locations and boards to scout, new events happening and stuff like that. I mean, yeah. I feel like that's all going to sort of fall into that category.
0: And I feel like with Arkham Horror, um, you know, we've talked about how there's certain games where you want to stick with one character for a really long time and really master the character, or you just really feel comfortable with that character or really interested in that character's mechanics. Mm-hmm. And then there's games like Arkham Horror, where I feel like the joy comes from, like sort of sampling all of the different variety that the game has to offer. And that's why I feel like these expansions work so well for it is because that's one of those games where I'm enjoying the sampling more than I am like the mastery of one particular thing. So I like a breadth of things in those types of games rather than like a depth with like, you know, just a couple of things. So um,
1: that's kind of how I feel about
0: Arkham Horror. So,
1: yeah, no, I think that's, that's totally true. I mean, the, the characters aren't all that different really. Right, yeah, they're usually just, like, little stat
0: changes and, like, you know, a couple of special abilities, right. but we were really into the flavor of the game, too, you know, like, we would read all the, the, the characters' backstories before we would start a game, you know, yeah. like, and show off all the art and everything, and so, like, in some ways, we were almost RPing, role-playing the characters in the game, Um, so having a variety really, I think, like, you know, that, that was always a good thing for us, so, anyway, yeah, l- totally. we, should, we should, yeah, that's probably enough to, to say about that, let's move on. So, our fourth <laughs> award is the expansion that best enriches a theme. And Jason has uh,
1: spoken up and argued for Letters from Whitechapel, Dear Boss. <laughs> right. So we've talked about Letters from Whitechapel a couple of times. Uh, it's a hidden movement game, essentially, where the uh, a group of people play the inspectors um, for the first Scotland Yard. And they're trying hunting down uh, the player that's playing Jack the Ripper. Um, and it takes place over a series of nights. Um, Jack is obviously having the hidden movement and there's a few tricks that he can do to sort of evade the police. Um, and if he makes it through, I think it's like three nights or something. Um, then he then he wins. Um, now I've played this game several times and I've never Jack has never won. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, sometimes it comes close, but it's 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 never never takes it all the way. Um, but what the Deer Boss expansion does is it gives the Jack player a little bit more room to play around um, with with doing things to be able to evade the police and to sort of heighten the tension between uh between the you know Willie you warranty you escape kind of uh kind of sides of the, of the the discussion here um and it does it through um, a couple of different mechanics but the main one is uh that Jack gets to send these letters to the police that basically taunt them um into trying to catch him and they have some game mechanics associated with them but um it takes inspiration from the actual real Jack the Ripper case where the uh, there were several letters sent to Scotland Yard from someone proposing to be uh, Jack the Ripper, taunting the police, you know, and, and uh, uh, basically daring them to catch him and, and, and things like that. And so it, it sort of adds um, a little bit of verisimilitude, um, you know, taking direct inspiration from history, but also adds some interesting and good uh, game mechanics to make the, um, you know, to make the Jack player a little bit more of a threat
0: cool so you know anything that can make you feel a little bit more like a real serial killer uh
1: i that's what i'm about yeah definitely (laughs) worth your time (laughs) what not everybody dreams of that (laughs) what's the next category jason okay so the next category is uh an expansion that adds worthwhile mechanics uh okay. this one's all Kyle. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I mean you've played
0: it too, so I've played you played know. it. Yeah. You know. I know. Um, so, like okay, so the game that we have decided on is the Zaya Legends of Drift System, Embers of a Forsaken Star. Uh, which is the expansion for Zaya Legends of Drift System. Uh so it adds several mechanics or adjusts certain mechanics in order to take a game that I think was fun, a good game that was fun, and make it much more interesting and a little bit better balanced. So um, in the previous version of the game when you when you want to make you know when you're trying to score points one of the things that you can do is you can just go to a planet that has a certain type of um you know material in the game right um and you can pay for money you can pay, pay money for, pay those, for those pay for money <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> You pay money for those resources, you put them on your ship, and then you can like travel to another planet that might happen to be just randomly placed very close by that accepts those things to, to buy, and then you can just go and sell them and get points. And you could just start doing this thing where you just go back and forth between those two little planets until the end of the game, just doing that for money or points, right? Um, and that was one of the things that people were like, you know, like, there are times where the game... It's too difficult to do some pick-up-and-deliver type mechanics in order to try to win the game. There's times where it's too easy to do that. And so one of the things that they've done with the expansion is they've created a supply-and-demand market, essentially, where there's like a separate board now where all of the cubes that are available of each type of resource are uh, are on that board. And once you buy that resource from a location, you take them off that board. And once there are no longer any on there, you can't buy anymore until more get put on there. And they get put on by basically like supplying other resources that... That then, like, cause those resources to appear. Um, so it sort of, like, rebalances how Pick Up and Deliver works in that game. Um, but it, it just adds a lot of, like, you know, theme to how the market works. And also, I think, like, you know, uh, adds a little bit more of an interesting mechanic to how it works and also forces you to think a little bit more broadly in terms of what your strategy is going to be in addition to that it also adjusts how um, exploration points work whereas before you would get just like one of like three or four random things that happen when you travel over an exploration point marker you flip it over and if it's like hey if it's a point you get a point if it's money you get money or whatever right now instead of that there's no longer any points on the underside of the exploration points whatsoever it's other things it could be you should get damaged it could be your ship gets faster this turn and you get to go some extra spaces it could be a a certain type of resource right and when you do that you get the resource or you take the penalty but then you keep the token and anytime you have two tokens on your board so you've collected two of those things you can then turn them in and you make a choice between either taking one of the the victory points or taking money so they made it more dependable of a way of a method of getting victory points it's way less random Um, but at the same time there's still a risk or there's uh, I guess still a bit of a random element to it because you're going to get something else that is randomized Um, so it it just makes makes exploration feel way more exciting because you don't always know it's going to be something good it could be something bad but oftentimes it's good and then you know it it just it it enriched the game quite a bit there's other things that the expansion does it doesn't just do that like it adds um you know another mode for solo play that's really good but that's not what we're talking about here specifically because really when we want to just talk about um, you know, new mechanics or adjusted mechanics that make the game worthwhile and
1: more interesting than it was. Not necessarily broken before, but definitely right. enriches it a bit. Yeah, so. I've played Zaya exactly twice. Once without it, and once with it, and the difference was, uh, the difference was enough for me to be able to recognize that it added something really worthwhile to the game, even though I'd played it like a year apart or something.
0: Yeah, they also added, like, an event deck that, like, every round, there's some new event happening that changes the state of the game in some way. It's always really interesting, you know, like, it could be, like, there's a race going on, or it could be, you know, like, there's meteor showers everywhere, and you might get hit or whatever, right? Stuff like that, um, and it's a pretty deep deck. It adds a bunch of other, uh, like, adjustments to the base uh, game, so, like, you know, new titles and things like that. Um, new ships, uh, all, all kinds of new stuff, so definitely yeah. a, a good expansion that adds some worthwhile mechanics and also just, like, a slew of other things that are totally worth worth getting so Mm -hmm. great expansion
1: uh our next next category is adds additional worthwhile game modes (laughs) so this one in particular i think both of us were thinking along the lines of like adding a really good solo mode because that's what i do a lot of right yeah (laughs) (laughs) right and uh you landed on race for the galaxy the gathering storm
0: Yeah, so I've played a lot of solitaire games in the last year or two, and a lot of them come built into the game, like when you buy a lot of games these days, they come with solitaire rules already built in, Uh, so when I started thinking about this, the the list of choices that I've played that came out of an expansion box, rather... In the base game, it, it was a lot smaller than I expected, but, you know, like, there's things like Zaya, that came out of there, um, Root has, you know, like, the mechanical marquee, um, but when I started thinking about it, I just really like Race for the Galaxy, and I feel like the, the, the AI sort of, like, robot rules that you play against in Race for the Galaxy, The Gathering Storm... Uh, it- it can be a little bit intimidating at first because it's another set of hieroglyphics, but you're using dice to essentially, like, dictate the the robot's actions, and so, you know, but there are ways to, try to kind of, like, try to mitigate how many points it's going to score based on, you know, like, the things that are available, um, but... You know, like ultimately, it's quick and fast. And once you have learned that hieroglyphic set, which usually happens like within the first play, it's really easy. It's really easy to run. Um, it's not necessarily easy to win, um, but it's a good way to sit down and play some Race for the Galaxy when you don't have anybody else to play with. So, you know, for my money, I like it because it's it doesn't take that long to learn, it's easy to run, you don't feel like, you know, it doesn't feel fiddly the way that certain things do, like, you know, I really like the Zaya solo game, but it is kind of fiddly, or at least it's very intimidating to look at when you get started, um, whereas this one is, it's got a pretty, you know, like, low-impact rule set, and it's still really satisfying and fun to play. Uh, the last time I sat down to play with it, I ended up playing, like, for like an hour and a half, just played, like, three games in a row, essentially, so, you <laughs> know, I usually don't do that, I usually, like, you know, play a game once, put it away, you know, so. Yeah i will just give it a try.
1: I mean, I, I we've talked about this before that I, I sort of have a complicated relationship with uh, Race for the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I I might enjoy it more if it were solo, actually, which is rare. <laughs> yeah, you might. Yeah, I would try it out. It's totally worth trying out.
0: You know, cool. and the Gathering Storm otherwise is also a decent expansion that adds, um, you know, like a whole lot of new cards as well as uh, like goals that you can chase after for extra points, essentially. So yeah. you know, it's it's a good yeah. expansion.
1: Cool. All right. So our seventh category was an expansion that adds new characters or factions. Now there are absolutely a ton of these. Yeah. Um, uh, You know, I could have named any any number of them. Basically Uh, every
0: expansion ever. Kind of right. Yeah.
1: And and the ones that I would have chosen would have been just like, you know, like uh, here, you know, adding characters that I enjoy playing that you know work within the game, um, basically the same way any of the original characters did, but they just maybe have like. A different flavor or mechanic or something so you know i was thinking like I, I was thinking primarily about expansions that add like uh like fifth or sixth players so like mm-hmm. the the one for scythe that adds in the two extra factions mm-hmm. um or um the chaos in the old world with the the horned rat expansion which adds a fifth player um good luck but, finding uh, that what I said good luck finding that Oh, I have it. <laughs> no, I mean to anyone else. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. No, that's like way out of print. But, um, uh, but yeah. So and uh, so Kyle's been playing a lot of Root, which we've talked about on the podcast before, and he landed on uh, the Riverfolk expansion, and he had a really good explanation about why this should be our choice.
0: Yeah. So. You know, Root already is asymmetric and Root already has like, you know, a, a lot of different ways in which these factions interact and affect each other. And, and it kind of works like an ecology in the game a little bit. Um, but when you add in the actual river folk, so the otter faction, right? Uh, they are essentially merchants or mercenaries, essentially, <laughs> where they are offering three different types of services to anybody else at the board that will pay. And so their entire mechanic is wrapped up in an interaction with the rest of the players at the board in a way that does not exist without them. And so once you add them to the table, what you're essentially doing is you're creating like a new type of interaction in the game where every player at the at the table has to think about, okay, if I'm in a situation where I could really use the mercenaries that the Riverfolk can offer me, which basically means that all of their characters on the board will now be my characters for my turn for the effect of, you know, fighting somebody there or just establishing rule in a clearing so that I can, like, build buildings there or something, um, you've got to be weighing the benefit of that against the detriment of making them richer and more powerful, essentially, right? Um and so the game is already one of like you know trying to decide whether or not you're going to do certain things which might empower certain other people right like with the uh the um what is it the woodland alliance when you move into one of their clearings where they have support there yeah. you end up like you know giving them more supporters essentially right
1: yeah
0: um so the, the game already has some of that like you know that balance of do I do this thing because I know it will help the enemy in some way right but this feels to me like just a much sort of a much juicier sort of analysis to do when you're thinking do I really <laughs> want to give that character that player you know two or four extra funds essentially for them to you know purchase their upgrades with or you Such know like buy juice. buy more yeah 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 <laughs> um so you know, like to me, that just really changes the dynamic of at the game table more than any other expansion, or at least any other character or faction expansion, has changed things. Because it just kind of fundamentally changes what's mechanically happening at the at the table, as well as what's socially happening at the table. Like it really changes the meta game quite a bit.
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah, and and, and it, I think it makes it way more fun. It sounds good. Alright.
1: All right. Uh our next category is the expansion that adds the best extra board or boards. <laughs> uh again, this is another one where there are like a ton of expansions that add an extra board or boards, but I I think between the two of us there was like solid agreement that our choice was the right one. We didn't uh, argue about this at all. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh and we settled on one of the expansions for the uh the new version of Fireball Island, uh what is it, the curse of Volkar is the one it is? was? Yeah, yeah, um, the wreck of the Crimson Cutlass expansion, um, pirate ship. It's it's a basically Gnar. ruined pirate ship on a separate board um, that you can fire the cannons <laughs> from it. Well, the cannons uh, are like bumpers, major. right? Like when the when the marbles
0: fall down, that you can move the cannon so that they like adjust where the marbles go. But it has a catapult on it that you can right. fire. Yeah, like where the skull and crossbones are at.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, th- first of all, the thing just looks freaking cool. Right. <laughs> That's and a secondly, big part of it. Uh, you know, throwing projectiles while you're playing a board game is a, is a really underused uh, mechanic <laughs> as far yes. as I'm concerned.
0: Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I Honestly, like, if I'm going to play this game with adults, I'm going to want to break that out because it adds so much both, like... In terms of just, like, you know, the fun factor of this game, which is a lot of, like, this is just a big toy, essentially. Oh, yeah. Having a pirate ship next to, the, like, you know, the Volcar Island just really adds a great deal of joy to the game. And then being able to use the catapult function from time to time is just, you know, that's really fun, too. So, <laughs> um, And, yeah, it looks rad, so. Yeah, it really does. Definitely, uh, definitely got both our vote for best extra board. Yep.
1: All right, so our next uh, category was... Uh, the game that adds the best new toys or components. Uh huh. Jason didn't uh, even give me a chance to argue on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think there's an argument to be had. Personally, I think the, my choice uh, was was perfection. Um, so, I when I first wrote down King, <laughs> Kingdom Death Monster, any of the season one expansions, uh, which are all the ones that are currently currently available um although my personal favorite is the dragon king Uh, really you could have picked any of them um and essentially what it is i mean it's just uh, it's just more of the same from the base game like the base game has really great minis um and these uh the ones from the the expansion expansions uh are also really cool looking they're you know they're big, they're dramatic. The artwork is really interesting. The sculpting is really interesting. Um, each of them comes with like an interesting backstory um, about you know that particular enemy and and what its motivations are and 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 uh, just sort of. You know, fills out the, the mythos of the world that you're inhabiting when you play this game. So, yeah, if you get a chance, I would certainly look up the Dragon King expansion on uh, online just to look at a picture of the thing, because it's yeah. freaking gorgeous. When uh,
0: we were talking about getting Kenyon Death Monster a couple of years ago, before you'd actually made the purchase, I remember thinking to myself, I might just buy the Dragon King on its own, even if I yeah. never get the game, because it just looks so rad. Yeah, it was like one of those sales they had like on Black Friday or or something.
1: Honestly, I mean, if you never get the game like any of these things would make really nice showpieces for somebody to like, you know, paint really well, Mm -hmm. you know, put on a shelf or something. I mean, they're just they just look fantastic.
0: They really do. Yep, that's true.
1: All right, our
0: final category is the Best Stand Alone expansion. So this is an expansion that can be integrated into a base game, but also be played on its own. So this doesn't include things that are more sequel-like, such as like Ticket to Ride Europe versus Ticket to Ride Regular. Uh, this has to be something that can be integrated, but does not have to be. And I basically nominated Aeon's End War Eternal. This is the first big box expansion to Aeon's End, the deck-building cooperative game. Uh, You can buy War Eternal and you can play it right out of the box. It has certain components, or not certain components, but it has certain mechanics with the characters in the game and the cards in the game that are in some ways a little bit more complicated, a little bit more complex than the base game, but I don't think that they. They are so complex or complicated that you couldn't start there. Um, Mm. This is the version of the game that Jason and I played when we played it at Gen Con uh, a little over a year ago. It was the first time I'd ever played the game, the only time Jason's ever played the game. And even though we didn't win that game and even though we kind of struggled with just, like, you know, the strategy of the game, mechanically speaking, it wasn't too much for us to handle. Yeah. Uh, We we, we had a hard time,
1: but I think that was more like what you said, like a sort of learning curve kind of thing.
0: It's a hard game, and so, you know, like, throwing somebody into a hard game for the first time, and it was a four-player game, so, like, getting us all to sort of coordinate the way that you need to coordinate in Aeon's End was difficult, because we were all just kind of looking at, like, the things that we could do ourselves, and Aeon's End is a game that definitely leans into doing things to your friends to assist them uh, as often as you can as well, and we weren't really doing that as much, uh, that game, but none of it had to do with the complicated mechanics or how the, the mechanics were a little bit more complex in this game than the base game. And so like I just happen to like the the um not necessarily the art but sort of like the uh the layout, the the coloring they use on the backgrounds in this version of the game versus the base game. I think that War Eternal is a better looking game than the base game. It comes with slightly more interesting I think characters and cards and enemies. Um but You know, like, but not at a cost where it is just, like, you shouldn't start there because it's too complicated. So, for my money, I think Aeon's End War Eternal is, like, the epitome of a great uh, standalone big-box expansion. Um, Hmm. You know, Aeon's End is a game that's worth owning the base game as well, but if you just wanted to buy one box, I would actually recommend going to Aeon's End War Eternal before base Aeon's End.
1: Oh, wow. High praise indeed.
0: Yeah, 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 it's a good one. Uh, there's a newer one out called uh, New Age, but it is definitely more complicated in a way where I wouldn't recommend starting there. I would recommend starting with War Eternal. So,
1: um,
0: we are we are connoisseurs of the Aeon's End these days. So,
1: it's a good game. All right, right.
0: everybody. Uh, Jason, if people would like to get hold on, let's do next week's game. Okay, and then we'll do the 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 drop. Yes, there
1: is a procedure here.
0: There is, yeah. (laughs) Next week, we're going to be talking about Bargain Quest. This is a game where you play a shopkeeper in a fantasy realm, and you are trying to uh, attract adventurers into your shop. You're trying to then, like, furnish those adventurers with weapons and items and defensive gear. And then you send them down into a dungeon and see if they survive. <laughs> That's the funniest part of the whole game. It really is. Uh, and whoever does the best job at attracting and furnishing these adventurers with gear and maybe eventually sometimes helping them survive the dungeon, uh, if you want... Uh, is the winner. So we're going to be talking about that next week. If people would like to get a hold of us, and uh, like if they hadn't gotten the, uh, the little hint at the end of the last podcast, where we did some fancy editing, uh, <laughs> that this was going to be the game we were talking about, and they'd like to tell us what their favorite types of shops are in a fantasy
1: world, how would they do so, Jason? Okay, well, if you're a fan of the, uh, you know, Broadsword Emporium, you can send us an email. It's... Uh... What is it? Oh yeah, podcast at (laughs) (laughs) limitedplaytime.com. You can go to the website, limitedplaytime.com. You can tweet us at limitedplaytime or go to Instagram at limitedplaytimepodcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you in one week. Later. Bye.